Hey, bowlers, bowling this month is back. Bowling this month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me today on the Above180.com podcast is Ryan Simonelli. Ryan has four career PBA titles, including a major. Last week, Ryan won the U.S. Open defeating Don Barrett in the title match. And prior to that, he'd run his third career PBA title back in October, winning the Extra Frame South Point Open. So, Ryan, Tim Berg here. Thanks for joining me today. Glad to be here. All right. Well, Ryan, much was made of the decision by the USBC not to release the U.S. Open pattern prior to the event. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I, I like it. I mean... It has its pros and its cons. Um, the only thing that I think uh, really hurt some of the uh, amateurs or guys not on ball staffs, um, it's hard to travel. And uh, if you don't know or have an idea of what equipment to bring, uh, you're stuck bringing, usually on planes, it's somewhere between four and six balls. So um, we get there, they announce the patterns, um, we're shocked. We could, we, we thought it was going to go the other way. We thought they were going to be short. Um, there was just rumors and, um, a lot of us brought the complete wrong arsenal. Well, we go practice and the guys with ball contracts and, um, ball reps behind them, we see that we're not even close and we say, okay, let's, let's go, uh, let's go on the truck and let's go drill some balls. So we, we have that at our disposal, and it was it was just exemplified as to how much of an advantage it was to have that um, compared to those other guys who don't have that privilege. And um, had they known um, what the what they were going to be bowling on, they probably could have made better guesses as to what to bring, um, had a little bit better of an idea, and uh, not been at such 
a disadvantage against us. So um, that was the biggest con. But I, I mean, I like I like the fact that we don't know. I like the fact that we can go in um, open minded, and it's just a part of the game that um, has been lost going week to week and just going in and throwing a ball and saying, okay, this is what my ball is telling me. This is what I think I need to do and going from there. So um, it definitely has its pros and its cons. Yeah, so I guess my thought is you said there were rumors that it was going to be short, short, short. The rumors probably hurt more than the not knowing of the pattern because if you wouldn't have known, the, you know, if people wouldn't have known what they were bowling on, they may have just said, okay, well, I'm going to bring a couple that are this way, a couple that will work this way, and go from there. And then once I get there and throw a ball, see what happens. So kind of this is one of those situations where rumors probably hurt as well. Yeah, the rumors definitely uh, definitely hurt. I, for example, know for a fact me and uh, another good example was uh, Anthony Pepe. Um, we brought all very weak stuff. I brought half of the arsenal I brought on the plane was balls that I usually use on like cheetah. So urethanes and just really weak covers. And, um, he did the exact same thing. The strongest ball he brought was, uh, I believe a loco. And, um, you know, I, I had karma urethanes and karma pearls. And, um, I know Brunswick sent out a box of black beauties. We thought they were going to get brutal. We thought they were going to hook so much that, that no one was going to really be able to control it. Walter Ray went and drilled the spare ball with some surface and, and uh, I don't know if it had a weight hole or not, but basically the point is polyester, urethane, rubber. We we all had we had it all ready, and then they announced the pattern. And we're like, okay, never mind. <laughs> so maybe maybe a way to meet in the middle on this is to not release a pattern, but say it's going to be X length. So then you guys at least have an idea of what the length is, and you can base your arsenal and how much you're going to bring and what you're going to bring on the plane based on the length of the pattern. Would that be kind of a a way to meet in the middle on this op- uh, issue? Yeah, I, I, there's got to be a way to uh, to go about it. Um, I guess there there's a more dominating factor if uh, if a volume is going to be extreme or if a length is going to be extreme. Um, it kind of dictates one or the other being the the variable that you let people know. Because if you put out a pattern that's say the same length, say 43 feet, and you put out 12 mils they're still going to hook a ton. But the fact that it's 43 feet with substantial, I believe it was 33 mils, now you're talking, okay, they're going to be really tight. So it's kind of the two variables combined. If you kind of figure out which one is going to be the dominating factor, so say, like if you put a 27-foot pattern out, you can say, well, we're putting... 36 mils on the lane and guys are going to be like, Oh, they're going to be tight. And then you say, well, it's 27 feet. All right. That changes it. So it's kind of a, a gray area, but, um, there's gotta be a way. And, uh, I think they're on the right track. All right. Well, you averaged a shade over 230 for 57 games at the U S open. The last person to average, even that close was Bob Learn jr. Back in 1999 when Bob averaged 228. So taking all this that we just discussed, how were you able to make this demanding pattern look like a typical house shot? You know, I still am not too sure. Um, I've watched the show back even half a dozen times now. And um, 
I just feel like when I can do what I was doing in shutting my angles down, getting on top of the gutter, being able to use strong equipment and still not have it change direction on me too hard, um, I can create hold with my ball speed and I can create a little bit of left with the power of the balls and rev rate combined. And um, it's just something that the other lefties couldn't seem to really find. Um, I helped Pepe out at the end there when he was, when he was quite a ways back. I had to wait to, to help him because frankly, if I helped him earlier, I felt like he was just going to be another person I had to beat. Um, I respect him and his game that much. So um, later in the later, like two games left, I think in his second block, um, he's about 240 under or something like that. And I went up to him and I'm like, dude, you're just not far enough left. You, you got to get further on top of it. And he just, it, it, it kind of was eye opening to me because he said to me, you know, if I go that far left, I just don't see how I'm going to be able to get it back. So if all the lefties were thinking the same as him, they probably felt like they had to shut their angles so far just to get it started and then they couldn't create hold or any push through the front and mid lane um, if they had a strong enough ball or angles properly um, aligned to get it started. So having the little conversations like that with guys like him, um, were, it was kind of eye-opening to see you know, how they saw the lane different than I did. And um, there definitely wasn't anybody there that really, that really could see it that way, even if they tried. And I know for a fact... Rhino and PA, after they saw me bowl my first block, um, they tried to do their best impression of it. But there's just certain things that that people can do on either side of the lane that others just can't, strictly based on their picture and their physical game and what it allows them to see. So, Ryan, at what point did you become comfortable with your own game to say, you know what, I'm going to roll the ball the way I roll the ball, and what happens, happens, and let the chips fall where they may, and there's going to be days when the lanes really are in my favor, and those are the days I need to take advantage of, and the days that the lanes aren't quite in my favor, I need to grind out and do the best I can and never give up. It took me close to three years to, to really figure that out. Um, bowling the TQRs and, and all that stuff when we still had the exempt tour, uh, watching Rhino run them over week in and week out, and I just couldn't figure them out. And, you know, I was fresh out of college and I was four years younger or five years younger than him. And uh, he had a little bit more experience on me and he knew what he was doing and he knew um, right from wrong. And he knew that he could just bowl his game and not worry about it. Well, I couldn't figure it out. So I resorted to, okay, well, what's he doing that I'm not doing? And I started going through that, that phase where, okay, how can I play the lanes like Rhino? Or how can I do what PA is doing? When in all reality, I throw the ball nothing like either of them. Of course I can't do what they're doing. And um, after uh, the 2010 World Series with the urethane, and, and it allowed me to just bowl my own game and see the lane in the way I wanted to see it, um, it opened all kinds of doors for... Um, just the way that I approached patterns and approached um, the way I wanted to attack 
lane patterns and lane surfaces and what types of balls that were better for me. And um, I can use really strong equipment like I did, for example, on the U.S. Open show. And we can make them so strong that we can almost create a urethane-like motion on heavier volumes with strong equipment. And that's just the motion I like to see. I want, I want my break points very close to me. I want my angles shallow. Um, with my ball speed and my rev rate, I can create a lot of a, a high carry percentage um, in doing so. And um, it just allows for a larger margin of error when other people don't have that. So you mentioned back on Extra Frame with me at the Fall Classic how you felt there were a few hitches in your game and you worked with Mike Jazz now out in Reno. Talk about by having a coach and a second set of eyes is so important. Yeah, it's it's extremely important because I mean, I didn't I never was coached up until that point ever in my life. It was just me and my dad going through the processes and um, trial and error and what didn't work. Okay, throw that out. Let's try something else. And um, it's just such a longer, more grueling process when you don't have that um, that extra set of eyes that really knows the game and really knows what they're looking for. Um, so when I had that opportunity to work with him, and the number one reason I decided to make the big change was because the way I was throwing it was starting to affect me physically. Uh, my knee started hurting and um, I just felt like I couldn't keep doing what I was doing for all that much longer without really harming my future. So we decided to make the change very quick and just trust the process. So coming off of some success even, we said, you know what, what I'm doing is working, but how long is it going to work? So let's just drop it and let's start over. So um, basically, if you watch the chameleon show from 2013 and you watch the u.s open show you'll see a huge difference in the first two steps mainly the first step um the height of the ball the push away um the long fabricated step to a much calmer push away a smaller first step a much more relaxed approach to it and um it has made tons of differences I bowled 57 games at the U.S. Open, and I never once grabbed my knee in pain. And I just I felt great physically, and thing that I was missing um, for the past few years. And having that peace of mind, feeling like I can I can go that long physically, is another aspect of of doing what we do that you don't really think about until you're looking it in the face saying, you know, it's affecting my shot making. I can't stay solid at the line. Um, those things are, are not things that you can be worried about and try to fix these guys. So the 18 month stretch of making no real, no check. I mean, I made one show. I made the TOC. I got hot for one week. But besides that, if you look at my last 18 months, it was just a process of, of figuring them out all over again. And I was my butt doing it because it was pay to to get back where where I needed to be. So you mentioned all the games, fifty seven games at the US Open. How do you prepare 
for something like that or the World Series, which is coming up here? Is it just, you know, you go out and bowl 10, 15 games a day? Is it more than that, or how are you preparing for that? It all depends on on where you are mentally and physically. Um, it varies a lot for me. Um, for example, when I was going through that process and not getting any checks, um, making the changes, I was bowling a lot. I was trying to find what I felt like I needed to find, and I couldn't. So I was bowling anywhere from six to eight games every single day and uh, actually fried myself out by doing it because when you're, it's not going right, it's very frustrating, as everyone I'm sure knows. I fried myself out to the point where I put the ball back down. I stopped practicing. I said, I just need to clear my mind. Uh, I'll bowl. I'll, I'll throw the ball once a week, and and I'm just going to let it go for a little while. And so there's times where mentally you need to not just pound your head against the wall like that. Um, you need to stay sharp, but to stay sharp, you got to be practicing the right things. If you're not practicing the right things, you're creating bad habits. Creating bad habits and beating your head against the wall is only going to frustrate you and make you want to quit. So... There is definitely a huge gray area as to how much to practice, and um, it's going to vary person to person. Um, but if you're if you're feeling good, you're, if you feel like you're bowling well, and you're getting prepared to go bowl a big tournament, I would say three four times a week is plenty, and you don't even need to bowl that many games. You just need to make sure you're physically sharp, you still feel what you want to feel, and and just be done with it. There, you know, you're you're not looking else. You're just you're just looking for sharpness at that point. So um, definitely varies quite a bit. And Ryan, we hear a lot about people playing offense versus defense and bowling. What are your thoughts? Do you like to play defense on the lanes, or are you one of those guys who says, you know what, I just want to go out there, bowl my game, and let the chips fall where they may? I, I see offense being played a lot more often than I see defense. Um, for example, if if you got guys like the Vegas show where you got Belmo and Bill, two of the best righties in the world on the show, um, you want the lefties, in my opinion, we work together. Um, I, tra- I tried to create hook. Parker tried to create hold. We made them as easy as we could for us to try to get rid of the righties and then just worry about bowling each other. And it did work out that way. Um, we were fortunate that we made them easy enough and Parker got through the first couple guys and then it was just a matter of being the best lefty. Um, I have seen some instances of defense, but I just feel like trying to play defense in our sport is, is not going to get you as far as playing offense and just trying to be smart for yourself. So more times than not, I would say offense is definitely the way to go. Um, try to, try to set the lanes up for yourself and just try to be the better bowler. And Ryan, what's new in the deviate radical and Brunswick lines that you're excited about, and what did you throw out at the U.S. Open? During the week at the U.S. Open, I threw a uh, a Radical Guru Master, and we drilled a couple of those to have some fresh covers, and then uh, we threw uh, the New Thug Life in the Deviate line, and we had a couple of those as well. Um, you know, the, this new cover that, that Brunswick has come up with, this composite, it's, it's so much more continuous. 
got so much more down lane motion and um it's just it's been a huge advantage and it's had a huge impact as as the, the results have showed um for me especially and uh just really looking forward to just keep getting back on the lanes right now i'm just excited to throw it and one final thing before we go, Ryan, check out bowlingthismonth.com. It's the world's most trusted technical resource for over 20-plus years. Lots of great insight there from everyone, uh, lots of writers, lots of coaching tips, ball reviews. If you're looking for one of those new Deviate Radical, any equipment, there's a great ball review there, featured ball reviews, so check those out. Um, lots of stuff about, uh, I'm looking here, there's a piece uh, coaching from Ron Clifton talking about early turn, talking about uh, magic coaching by Dean Hinnens, Dr. Dean there with the piece. So lots of great stuff. Susie Minshew talking about how we warm up. So check all those out. All those articles are going to help you gain the edge over your competition. Again, bowlingthismonth.com for all those great articles and more. Well, Ryan, all the best of luck at the World Series. Coverage of the World Series of Bowling begins December 7th on Extra Frame. Check out everything you'll need. It's going to be on Extra Frame wall-to-wall coverage on extra frames so check ryan out there so ryan again thanks for joining me today thanks for having me